Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Katerina Moser to Life Beyond the Numbers. Katerina, you're so welcome. Oh, Susan, I'm so glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And I'm sure some of you are probably sick of me mentioning Butte at this stage, but I also met Katerina on the wonderful (laughs) island of Butte last (laughs) June. And We haven't been in touch since, so I'm really looking forward to reconnecting today. So am I. I think we should actually reunite Butte soon. (laughs) That would be tempting. Definitely in the summertime, though, for me. Definitely, though. (laughs) So, Katerina, I think many of the people listening to this will have heard of the SDGs or the Sustainable Development Goals. Mm -hmm. And if they haven't, it's so easily Googled and found out about and people would be interested in that. But sitting alongside the SDGs is something called the IDGs Mm -hmm. that until I met you, I had never heard about. (laughs) So let's change that. Let's change that. Mm. So what are the IDGs? Mm. Well, I mean, you opened it up already with the right connection. The IDGs come out of the concept of the SDGs. And the SDGs have that general timeline that we should be reaching them by 2030. And when we look at it, we're not really on track. So the whole idea around the IDGs emerged a few years ago with a few institutions in Sweden sitting together, looking at the current status of the world and kind of wondering why it is that we are not really progressing further and faster towards the SDGs and why crises are, right, the contrary, getting bigger and bigger and more complex and everything seems to be just more daunting. And the answer they kind of said to themselves is it's not so much that we haven't got enough people who are interested to reach the SDGs and it's not even a financial problem. It seems to be more of a problem that we as humans just find it really hard to actually work together and write the contrary. We seem to be quite taken aback when the world becomes fuller of crisis. We tend to go into nihilism. We try to ignore it because it just gets too difficult to deal with. So the question they posed themselves was, 
What are the skills and capacities that we as humans need to develop in order to be able to deal with our outer challenges better and actually reach the SDGs? And this is a the question they then took and posed to the global scientific community, basically. And they got some 4,000 replies. And out of these, they created the framework that now is called the Inner Development Goals. And since we have 17 sustainable development goals, the IDGs are also kind of arranged in that order. And there are 23 of them that are allocated into five dimensions. And I'm just kind of briefly explaining the dimensions to you just to give you a better understanding of what they are. So the first one is being. And in the dimension of being, you find skills like presence, where it's really all about being able to be with your own feelings and your thoughts. The second dimension is thinking. And I think that's a really important one because a lot of times when people think about inner work, they might think, yeah, I'm sitting there meditating, but actually cognitive skills are very much part of the concept of the IDGs as well. So there you find skills like complexity awareness, which is getting increasingly important in our world or long-term perspective, sense-making. The third dimension is relating. So there it's all about how can we actually connect to each other better? So there you find skills like compassion or humility. In the fourth dimension, it's all about collaborating. So there it's about communication skills, mobilization skills. And finally, the fifth dimension is acting. And there you find skills like courage, perseverance, and optimism. So the things that we really need in order to get started. So this is the general framework of the IDGs and that was put together some two years ago, I would say. And then last year, it was really launched for the first time at the summit that we held in Stockholm in April. And after that, I would say the thing is starting to explode quite a bit. So a lot of people can really resonate with this general concept. And by now we have 250 hubs that have emerged worldwide and the hub basically being a group of people who comes together on a regular basis and just really wants to exchange on this concept and try to learn and grow on this together. We have around 50 partners from companies like Google or IKEA who really try to use that framework with the work that they have internally with their employees and also academic partners and even governmental partners. So countries like Costa Rica or Rwanda were quite open to actually explore how they could even use that within their governmental strategies. So the whole idea is really to just create this missing link that we see why we're not really progressing with our sustainability goals and just put the IDGs as this missing link and really through that strengthen the impact that we can generate all together. So that in a nutshell explains what the IDGs are. Ooh. <laughs> there is so much Let's in just that. take a breath and be present. <laughs> and there's so much in that. And it's fascinating, I think, that people sat around, people, humans, sat around <laughs> and thought, what's actually working here? And realized that the onus was on us in the first instance to change ourselves in order to or improve ourselves in order to collaborate better exactly. to tackle some of these challenges and that's quite honest mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think authenticity is a key issue here <laughs> and humility 
you mentioned the word humility and it stood out because how do we help people hmm. regain perhaps hmm. or understand the importance of a skill like humility hmm. and some of these other ones as well I mean let's come back to some of the other ones but humility do you have any thoughts on that one in particular hmm. Hmm. it's a good question I think with a lot of these skills like if we take them all together like how does inner work how do you get started and I feel like quite often what is the case is that something happens in your life that triggers you individually to get started with inner development and whilst that is great that that does happen for a few people it doesn't happen for all of us so I'm not sure if we should actually wait for all of us to have tragic life circumstances happening so that we can finally understand the quality and the power of inner development for instance, I spoke to Thomas Bjorkman, who's one of the initial founders. He's also the founder of the Ishkaret Foundation, which is one of the initial institutions that founded the IDGs. And he's a very successful businessman in Sweden, and he basically had it all going for himself. But what changed for him was when he got consultants into his organization, basically doing leadership trainings with them. And he suddenly realized that when he started working on himself, not only did it have a positive impact on himself and his life, but very much positive impact on his organization as well. So it does really spread into all of your areas of your life. It's not just something that you do for yourself and it impacts maybe your your well-being which is great in itself but it really has ripple effects to everything that that surrounds you and i think that is very much true for all the idgs and maybe one important aspect that i find is that when we talk about inner work it sounds hard as well and it sounds like something that i have to do individually sitting by myself in my little corner. And I think the concept that we're trying to promote here as well is that inner development is something that we might do individually, but we do it as a collective. And we do it in order to change our culture so that we have inner development as a crucial part of our society and of who we are as human beings. And out of that, a completely different world can emerge. Totally. And uh, well, again, I've just got so many questions firing in my head. I have to like slow myself down. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned the government like Costa Rica or Rwanda bringing in this framework into how, I suppose, behaviours to aspire to or a way of working that everyone can agree to, it would just be so phenomenal to see studies perhaps in the future and as well with Google and others that showed the impact of the changes in behavior and the changes in what was possible Hmm. that's a very long way of asking are people studying this no definitely I totally get your question and I I think that's also one of the main questions people have around the IDGs like how exactly are you doing this And I think you already gave yourself the answer there that, of course, studies are an essential part of it, because one of the core qualities also of the IDGs is that we have 
a very strong scientific board that is backing all of this. So it initiated as a research project. And we have people like Bob Keegan, Amy Edmondson, Dan Siegel being part of our scientific board and really supporting us with this. I think generally one can say that the, the goal of the IDGs or, or how we're doing this is on the one hand really offering and communicating how does holistic human development work and kind of translating those scientific findings to the wider public. We're also trying to translate that into tools and methods. So there is something called IDG Tools, which is a website that is supposed to turn into like a Wikipedia of inner development, where you can then really go and say, I want to train, let's say, humility. What can I do? And they would suggest specific methods, tools, exercise, but it would also reference to theories or studies, people who are already working in that field. And then I think, and that's probably the most important area of what we're working on, is creating a community of practitioners. Because in the end, the IDGs are not, it's not that we're bringing up something completely new. Inner development is something that has been with humans since humans exist. And in order to, to really get there across, it's much more about collecting all that wisdom that is out there already and just pointing to it and saying like, look, this is how it's been done in ancient wisdom traditions. And this is how it's being done in leadership trainings in corporates. And this is how it's being done in coaching and consulting institutions. So it's really more about getting all those people together and I think that is, again, one of the things that I love about the IDGs. It's not the umpteenth new project where I have to drop everything else so that I can now work with the IDGs. But it's more that it just creates a framework and a narrative that really speaks to what so many people are doing already anyway. And it gives them a common language. And that is also how I kind of got involved and, and how it spoke to me that it's just, ah, this really resonates with me because it almost describes what I've been doing in my life and what I believe in. So I can now just use that narrative. And by that, it really creates connection to so many other people who might be doing completely different work, but we do share that vision. And I think that is the kind of secret why it feels so powerful to me right now, why I really believe that this is going to ripple very quickly. Yeah, ripple, absolutely. And I think the other thing that you said earlier on was that how can we embrace this without having the shock of a life-changing event? Because often they are shocking events. And actually, I was speaking with someone this morning who asked me if I had seen that Ram Das documentary on Netflix. And I had, and one of the things he said, because he had a stroke towards the end of his life, and it profoundly changed his life as well. And he wished that everybody could have the experience and the grace of the stroke without having to go through the actual incident. Exactly. And many of us leave stuff until that point. So in a way, if our workplaces were to start bringing these frameworks in, because we all had behavioral competencies and other things in our workplace, but maybe not the fundamental understanding of this. I mean, this would really change workplaces, I think. I think so, too. 
And I also feel like after COVID, I think so many people have really gained a new sort of consciousness almost that things have to change and that the way how we're living is maybe not the best and not the most humane way. And also, like, since in your podcast, it's a lot about work, it's not the best way how we're working and how we're organizing our institutions and our organizations. So I think there is this innate feeling that something is not quite right and we should change something. But then it's probably a bit more difficult to really, well, first put words to it and then also change that if you feel like you're the one who has to do this by yourself. And I think this is also what the IDGs are out there to get across as a key message. You're not alone in this. You're not supposed to do this by yourself. We can do this together. And through that, we can create a different world. Yeah. And that was what I wanted to go to next. So it's so nicely lined up there, Katarina. was the whole like me versus we, which I know this is something that Dan Siegel talks about a lot. <laughs> the we pronounce, isn't it? Muy. Muy. But I think that's a really lovely point as well, because actually when when we are together mm -hmm. in even if we go back to Butte and sitting together, sharing openly, emotionally, physically, mentally, all of that was going on by being present in one another's lives. We also learn in a different way, I think, rather than just focusing in on ourselves, like you said, in our own room, with our own book or whatever. We can do both, but there's power in a group. Oh, that's a beautiful observation. I totally agree. I think it's also that in general, we learn better the more emotional the experience is, right? The general, like, the more of an experience is the more we learn and experiences tend to be more emotional than just talking about something or reading about it. And I can very much relate to that also kind of in my life. I feel there's, we're living in a very individualistic society, specifically in the Western world. And this whole concept of communities or living more with others, learning more with others seems something a bit alien to us. But when we do have those experiences of collectives, it is such, such a powerful experience. And as you're saying, it can't just be people sitting around the fireplace. And that in itself is a beautiful experience or what, like I started going to singing circles <laughs> <laughs> and there you literally sit in a circle with like 20 or 30 other people. You just chant along. And I do have that little critic, that the voice sitting on my shoulder, kind of telling me like, what are you doing here? It's like, sounds a bit like kindergarten. And then this other voice like, yes, and it was already fun in kindergarten. Why shouldn't it be fun now? And you kind of leave really feeling, feeling more connected and feeling more at ease and to me it almost feels like I've done a workout or something really that has freed up my mental capacity as well so it really does something to you and I, I totally agree that this is something that we can actually use much more and and also in the workplace if we have the feeling that we're actually in this together if we have a vision that we all believe in together obviously it's going to have a huge impact on the way we work and we normally do, though. I think that is the thing. If you go into a workplace and especially 
and I'm not going to say especially organisations working towards the SDGs, but the organisations that are working towards SDGs, the non-profit and so on organisations will have that vision for you to greatly believe in. And I spent a lot of my career in the non-profit world. And I've been thinking about this a lot because the workplace was very toxic in most of the organizations that I was in. And yet people stayed and worked. And I just wonder what we might have achieved if we were able to stop the blame, stop the defensiveness, stop the toxicity, the bullying. Mm. And so is there a personality type that can pioneer this in a workplace does it come down to leaders having to believe in this as well because I often think leadership has the biggest leadership does influence and the ripple often comes from the top Mm. so how I mean, there's a lot of questions in there. I hope you're keeping up with me. How, how do we convince leaders who may not always think that the inner work is necessary, that mm. their lives can be better mm. by doing this mm. and the lives of everyone they work with and everyone in that world? Mm. It's a good question. I'm not sure I have the answer to this because I think we're on the journey to finding it out. And I'm not sure if convincing is actually the right term because I think there are a lot of people out there who who know like in their hearts that this is the way to go, that we're just kind of working against ourselves if we're not trying to really, yeah, get those inner parts of ourselves, give it more attention in a way. And I feel specifically when you are in a leadership position, you have to work on yourself because otherwise it's just not going to work. People won't be able to follow you if you're not authentic, if you don't have a vision that you're passionate about, if you don't care about them. It's just not really the, the way how we understand leadership anymore. But I do understand, I mean, we're coming from a world where being a leader literally meant, you know, just being the one who's more, I don't know, ignorant probably of a lot of things. And that would get you the furthest. But I think that is already changing and that has already changed. But like generally, how does change happen in society? I think it's always the question, does it come from the top or does it come from the bottom? And I think the answer is both. So often you need the people who are convinced, the people who are passionate, who are standing out on the stages and in the boardrooms who can actually say, look, we believe in that. Let's do it. And the ones who are in like top position in governments. And we do see examples of that. I mean, I I just had to think of Jacinda Arder and I also just watched that Netflix documentary on her recently. She's such a kind of role model to me of a woman who lives politics in a way that is so compassionate and so real whilst really getting her politics across. So it's not as if that was a contradiction. I think right the contrary can be such a a beautiful add-on. So yes, I think that we do need those, those kind of shining figures for sure. And at the same time, you need, I mean, it, it sounds a bit, I'm not a huge fan of that word, but you need followers 
no leader can work without followers because if there aren't people who believe in the vision and who just make it happen, it's just not going to get true. And the same is true for us in the IDGs, as I mentioned at the beginning, just after basically a year since it's been launched, 250 hubs worldwide. I mean, it's not as if someone orchestrated that. It's just people who say, wow, we believe in this. We want to continue to have a conversation around this. We want to maybe do projects together, whatever it is. And they just emerged naturally, organically. And I think that is the beauty of it, that there are so many people who, where it resonates naturally. And in a way, those two movements have to just grow together. And that's where the sweet spot is. And how exactly that's going to happen? I don't know if we can know. It's a bit of a miracle, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And I think what you say, like about, we don't know how change happens and we don't know who the influences are. And the thing is, though, it is that passion and it's a both and approach. We tend to be either or. We're always trying to categorize in, you know, you're either doing the IDGs or you're not. But maybe even if you started with the thinking one, because you believe that your thinking is more important than your being, Mm -hmm. that at least opening up some of that and particular complexity awareness, because Mm -hmm. you can't make a decision thinking, only thinking and forcing yourself to think when something is complex. Totally. And I also think that, I mean, as every framework, the IDGs are obviously a simplification. So we won't ever get to the point where each one of us is going to be able to tick off 23 skills, you know, been there, done that successfully, kind of learned how to make that part of my personality. Of course, it's not going to happen. It's it's really more as a guiding, a guiding principles or a guiding framework that each of us can use in the way that works best for us and just kind of see how we can learn from each other how to use it well and that's why under the complexity or the next you know there's perspective skills and that is so important as well I think in the world we are in now that everyone and anyone can bring a perspective and yet often they're not encouraged to use their voice Mm -hmm. and the more we can open up and listen to others and meet it with curiosity. Yes, exactly. The more we can change perspectives too. Exactly. And the corporate world, and I can say this with having worked in it, the perspective is often on profit Mm -hmm. and profit at any cost. Mm -hmm. But that is changing too, I think, Katrina. I think there's a lot more focus now also on the perspective of people Mm. and planet Mm. and other things. You've talked about Google and a couple of other companies, but are there other companies you know that are really embracing this approach? Hmm. Mm, I think this one we're just really trying to figure out. And it's it's more of an invitation to corporates who are already working with this to really start using the IDG framework. I can maybe speak a bit about the ones that are already partners of us, as I already mentioned, Google. And we just had one of the things that we do with our partners is so-called corporate learning circles. So like four or five, six times a year, we bring them all together and they just exchange models, ways, methods, tools, how they're already working with the IDG framework. 
And I mean, it is really a very new framework. So I'm always impressed with what it is that people are already doing with it. And I think Google did it in a beautiful way because they have so many programs or tools that they've already been using. So now, as I said, they're just adding the framework to it. And through that, kind of their employees get to know that the IDGs exist and how you can use them in certain ways. And for instance, he said that they have a specific program where they can say thanks to fellow Googlers if they've done something good or if they've done something nice to each other. So through that, they're now using the skill of appreciation or they have nonviolent communication trainings for their managers. So IDG communication skills or what was it he said that they have some of the people in their in their company, they call them Greengler. And they're the ones exchanging tips on sustainability and how you can live a sustainable life. So you can relate that to long-term orientation. So I think a lot of the things that are being done is really more the question of how can you connect them. And again, I, th I think it's important to also kind of the core principles of the IDGs. One of the core principles is that this is a journey of co-creation. So we are not out there and... I know that this is also the corporate thinking quite often that, you know, when you talk about it, they're like, yeah, but explain us how we can use this now and give us exactly the tools. So this isn't what we're trying to do. It's really more, here's the framework. We also give you scientific backings and all of that, but please find your ways on how you can use it well for yourself. What makes sense to you? And I think this is the much more interesting question that we can pose from our side and then see what comes out from their side. Yeah, because then it's not going to become the tick box exercise. It's not like, okay, so everybody now has their own inner compass yeah. and off you go. Yeah, exactly. It's actually, what does it mean for us in relation to this? Mm. And how might we then relate better to one another? Exactly. Um, but so you're, I know you're organizing a conference later mm. this year, <laughs> Katerina, and maybe you'd speak a little to that. Mm. But yeah. Without putting words in your mouth, I'm imagining that some of these companies are going to be coming to also mm. present. Yes, to present, to be there, to exchange, to learn. So maybe also just to explain how I, I even got to be part of this, because that connects to what I'm doing now. It's funny because I just learned about the IDGs pretty much a year ago, and that was shortly they held their first big summit in Stockholm. And I was actually sitting at home going through my LinkedIn feed, being sick with COVID, you know, the things you do when you're sick. And then I found this video of the IDGs. And, and as I said before, it just immediately connected to what I was doing. And back then I was still working full time as a moderator. And I just published my website. And on the website, I said that I wanted to create through my moderation, I wanted to create connection that would lead to collaboration and through that better impact. And the last three dimensions of the IDGs are relating, collaborating and actions. I was like, mm, you know, might be a good fit. So I randomly stalked the CEO of the IDGs. I just sent him an email. It's like, hey, I saw that you've got a summit coming up. You don't happen to still need a moderator on some of the side stages or anything. And he was like, well, now that you're asking, we still need a main moderator. And I was like you know, good one. So this is how I happened to, to moderate last year's summit. And then afterwards I became part of the leadership team and I'm now heading the summit that we're organizing for this year in Stockholm again in October 11th to 12th. So yeah, what we're planning to do this year is first we're going to do it 
slightly bigger. We are actually having a location called the circus and it literally looks like a circus with like a circular stage in the center. And you're going to have this kind of memories of circus times when you were young. We'll have a room for 1,500 people on site and we aim to have a few thousands online. What we're trying to do is really create the space where people can experience the IDGs. One of my all-time favorite quotes is by Maya Angelou, who said that people will forget what you said, they will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And this has always been my kind of mantra when it comes to designing events that we really want to make people feel what the IDGs are. So we really try to create an experience where people can get that connection, that inner work can lead to outer change. And also, of course, give a lot of researchers, speakers from the field, speakers from organization, from civil society, activists, NGOs, whoever it is who's been working with this approach. And on the second day, we're going to go into five different tracks on different topics like IDGs in a corporate world, but also how to use IDGs on a policy level or how to really work with well-being on a large scale. And there we really want to deep dive, go into workshops and create even more of an embodied experience of what the IDGs are and really give some tools and methods that people can take away from it. So this is more or less uh, what we're trying to do. And at the same time, we're going to also launch the 23 symbols that we're now having designed by the new division, which is the design agency that also designed the 17 SDGs. And they are one of the founding partners of the IDGs, and they're currently designing the symbols for the IDGs, which will then be launched at the summit as well. Cool. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Now, the embodied experiential experience, what kind of people are you expecting? You've talked about some of the people that would be there. What are the people you're hoping to attract? What kind of people are you aiming this at? Well, as I said, the theory of change of the IDGs in general is that we really want to do speak to large corporates and governments and governmental institutions simply because we think they have the biggest potential to create the biggest change the fastest at the same time we're very aware that there are a lot of people who are more individuals who work as coaches consultants organizational developers who are very drawn to the idgs so i think we are largely aiming at those two target groups that on the one hand the ones who do work in institutions and there we're definitely aiming to have kind of senior management hr departments sustainability departments on site and at the same time, and I think specifically from our hubs, we also see a lot of people who come with that type of background. We will have those coaches, consultants, people who are already working within a development, psychologists, you name it, who also come from a lot of global different backgrounds. And I think this is also how we're trying to cater to both those audiences with having a large part of our summit also in a digital way so that people can already also access it from wherever they are. And in the end, I think what we're also trying to achieve is really turn everyone into an ambassador for the IDGs and really equip them with whatever it is that they need. And also let us have those difficult conversations on site, like ask those critical questions. Do we need in a development? Why do we need in a development? Like, isn't the world just working differently and just really trying to equip ourselves with arguments that we can take into our organizations that we can really use to, to create those ripple effects that we spoke about earlier. Which is a great point, actually, because it made me think about automation. 
and the focus on things like chat GPT that we're hearing at the moment (laughs) or just reducing the need for human interaction by increasing technological advancement (laughs) and there has to be an interplay there as well I guess and how again I don't want to convince people But for people who might be on the fence about whether it's better to invest my time in becoming more technologically advanced (laughs) or more human advanced. Hmm. Let me think about that quickly. (laughs) I think you're making a good point there. I just spoke to one of our board members today in the morning as well, and he's in quite close contact to Daniel Schmachtenberger, who's who's a very big intellectual voice out there as well. And, And he's saying that he's actually more scared of AI than he is of climate change. So there are a lot of people out there, and I think specifically the ones who are deep into the topic, telling us that this is quite a big potential danger. And I think that is, as you said, just one more argument that we do need to really focus on our innate human qualities even more. And in the end, like no matter what's going to happen to the world and what's going to go down or what might not, is technology going to save us or is it going to doom us? Either way, humans will need to find the ways to deal with it. So I'd rather find a compassionate way and I'd rather find a way in which I feel connected to others and in which I do still have a long term perspective, no matter what else is happening around me. Yeah. And. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I guess that's the other thing, isn't it, Katerina, that everybody will have their own way through life. And this isn't something that everyone will want to know about or will necessarily care about. And that's OK, too. But the more people that embrace it as a way, the greater the impact can be, I guess. Yeah. And the alternative is it's quite scary. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. And I mean, you mentioned language, Katerina, and the language of the IDGs, but you're also a linguist yourself. And how do these work? Well, I think you speak many languages, no? (laughs) A lot more than me, I would say. Where did you become interested, perhaps, on that not just focusing in on the country you were in, but in the more global perspective Mm. and bringing together other languages through a one understanding. Mm. All right. And I see where you're coming from. I think I'm maybe more of a culturalist than a linguist. Okay. (laughs) Your words, that's better. No, definitely. I think I've uh, yeah, I think it for me, it all started when I was 18 and I finished school and went to Spain for a year to do this European voluntary service, it was called back then. And I, I lived in this typical flat share of eight people from seven countries in one flat. That was quite a mayhem. Uh, it was a good time for me. And really, like what I said, that that quote by Maha and Maya Angela before, I really felt that diversity and intercultural differences was something super enriching to me. It was something fun. It was something that made me learn and see the world in a more colorful way. And after that experience, I really felt like this was something, a sentiment that I wanted to share with others as well. And I think this was the starting point to my own entrepreneurial journey that I started some 10 years ago or so, when I decided to focus on the topic of European diversity it was back then. 
And I just wanted to create formats and experiences that would let people feel that being European can be something beautiful and something positive. And actually, I think the data back then was that two thirds of all Europeans have never left their country, something like that. And I was like, oh, that's a bit shocking. So if you don't really have that kind of experience with other cultures, other countries, other languages yourself, you don't really happen to see it as something as enriching. So back then, my first my first project was actually a card game that I did on European fun facts. And it was all about being creative and inventing stories. And we sold that to European institutions that actually wanted to get the message across that Europe can be something that connects us all. And then the second project that I did back then was a large event, a public event, where we actually set up stations all over Vienna, my home base, where people could experience different countries within that stations. For instance, Poland would be in a cooking studio and people could cook Polish pierogi or in Italy, they would learn Italian gestures and Bulgaria, they would learn the Cyrillic alphabet, stuff like that. And that was, once again, my approach of really trying to create experiences that make more complex topics like European diversity a really a lived experience. So these were my kind of starting points. And I think what I'm doing now really connects to that because to me it was always about just connection what's important to us as humans where is it that we really feel like this inspires us and this gives us the feeling that we're in this together and as I said for the last years I worked a lot as a moderator and and there again I always ask those questions how can we be ourselves on a stage and how can we have conversations that actually lead to something that are meaningful I mean how many conferences go to that are just the same old phrases all over again, the same old panels with the same old speakers and the same old presentations with the same old PowerPoint presentations with font type size 11, you know? I just couldn't really deal with that any longer. And I just think we have to be more real. We have to be more authentic. And I mean, there's so much knowledge out there about how humans work, about human behavior, what inspires us, what motivates us, what really gets us going, what makes us create the changes that we want to see out there. And I think it's just time for us to use that more and to really, to really live it. What a call to action, Katrina. Like it really is quite inspiring how you spoke there. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how many of us have probably somewhat similar dreams or dreams of how we could make change in the world because we see something like you were saying about connection Mm. we see something like that yet we don't pursue them Mm. or we dismiss them as like those voices we were talking about earlier on the critics saying no don't sing what are you singing for Mm. so For someone listening today who has an idea that maybe has been percolating or there's something they see in the world that they think could bring about change, but they don't feel they have it in Mm. them to do that. Mm. What would you say to them? Hmm. I think, first of all, it's important to actually pay attention to the voice that says you can't do it because the voice is going to be there as long as you don't pay attention to it. So the more conscious you become about that voice, the more you can deal with it and also kind of tell it, it's good that you're there. It's good that you're in like being my critical guardian. 
And for now, you know, take a break, <laughs> go on holidays for a while. I'm, I'm trying to pursue something in the world. So like, honestly, I think it's important that that we're not simply judging all the, the voices that we have within ourselves. And I'm like the first one who's finding this difficult, but just becoming more aware that they're actually there and they're massively influencing our behavior. So I think the more we start working with this, the easier we'll get to actually deal with them. And then I think as always with change, and hence, once again, I'm kind of telling this to myself, it's about starting small and just having a thought in your head and knowing that there is something that interests you is already, it's already there. It's already present in your mind. So what's like the next biggest thing you can do to get it out in the world? I don't know. Maybe talk to someone about it. Maybe write it down. Maybe, I don't know, Google one website that it connects to that or write one email to a person. So just really these small steps. Um, and in the end, a lot of small steps will actually lead to change in action. So I think that's that's about what I can share. Yeah, and the small step that you took, which probably wasn't a small step, but by writing to the CEO, stalking yeah. and then sending an email. <laughs> yeah, sure. And we never know what someone's mm. going to say. And taking a chance yeah. is, is huge. And if you don't hear back, don't give up either. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And like that was very brave. You might not think so. Maybe you do. But it was because you were putting your money where your mouth was, so to speak, and betting on yourself. And I think that's a very powerful way to go in the world. Yeah, it's nice that you're reflecting that back to me like that. It's true. It's like sometimes I think you're not aware of what actually are the steps that are really going to change your life. Because like looking back to where I was a year ago and I still had a beautiful life, but it's just that now with that position that I took on in the IDG, so much has changed for me. And and also in my personal life, so much of what I believe in resonates with, with this work. So to me, it kind of so makes sense that this is what I'm allowed to do now. And then as you say, it just started with an email whilst I was sick, sitting on my sofa, kind of scrolling a bit bored through my LinkedIn feed. So maybe it's also a good argument that occasionally we should use social media. <laughs> and be sick. <laughs> and take rest. <laughs> exactly. Take, take rest. <laughs> Decompress. And, and there could have been an element of synchronicity in that as well, perhaps, Katerina, that actually, yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, that was a necessary step that COVID came at the right time. Maybe you never know exactly. Something happens and you're like, oh, no, why is this happening to me? And then it turns out to actually have a positive effect. We never know. Amazing. So maybe you would just remind us again of the dates of the conference and how yes. anyone that was interested could find out more about the IGGs, the conference and you. Thank you so much. Of course, I'm happy to. So I'm really happy to invite all of you to join us at the IDG Summit, either in Stockholm or digitally on the 11th and 12th of October 2023. You can find all information on innerdevelopmentgoals.org and if you want to find a bit more information on myself you can also do that at katarinamosa.eu brilliant and i'll put details of all of that in the show notes as well katarina so yes. thank you so much for a lovely conversation today i've really enjoyed going around the world with you and learning more about the idgs 
Same to you, Susan. Thank you so much. And talking about IDGs, thank you so much for sharing the presence, the skill of presence in this conversation as well. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode. If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.